Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, fellow optimists. It's Sofia Tapia here. Your host on the Future Positive Podcast, a podcast from XPRIZE that aims to bring you the most future-forward topics from world leaders, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are paving the way for innovation on and off this planet we call home. Our Pride Month podcast takeover culminates this week. For the past four weeks, we have been bringing you a series of interviews conducted by journalist Amelia Abraham with leading figures from the LGBTQ community who are impacting our world for the better. This week, Amelia speaks to Kelly Rakowski, the CEO and founder of Lex, a queer dating app based on personal ads. Queer visibility online and coding LGBTQ platforms for inclusivity are just a couple of the topics they talk about. Glad to have you back, and now here's Amelia. Hi, Kelly, how are you? Good. Hi, Amelia, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thanks. Um, Where are you talking to us from right now? I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, at a co-working space here. It's really pretty. There's lots of plants. Amazing. And would you mind introducing yourself for our listeners? Yes. My name is Kelly Rakowski. I'm the founder and CEO of Lex. Lex is a social platform for the queer community to meet friends, lovers, (laughs) find your teammate, like soccer teammate, any kind of relationship that you want with a queer person, you can find it on Lex. Okay, that's amazing, because I kind of thought of it as a dating app, but it sounds like it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more, and our bigger vision is that we're building a, a queer social network. So we launched thinking we are a dating app, but the way that people are using Lex is just in multitudes of ways that we were not expecting. So we decided to build for the community and, and we're expanding into a full social network for the full spectrum of LGBTQIA. Yeah. Cool. And if someone went on the app, what would that experience look like? Can you kind of describe it for us? Yeah. So right now we're still text-based. Um, we're text-centered um, always. We're inspired by newspaper personal ads. So you'd enter the feed and see a lot of personals that are written with a headline and then a body copy. And then you can click on a user's profile or username and then see their profile. 
and learn more about what they're looking for, a bit about themselves. And yeah, it's really lo-fi and we have zero images on it right now. It's just always going to be uh, this text-centered experience with zero swiping, matching, any kind of things like that. <laughs> And yeah, and can you maybe say why you chose it that way without images? Yeah, I mean, the whole project was inspired by this vintage, I mean, this lesbian erotica magazine called On Our Backs. Um, it ran from the late 80s or mid 80s to the early 2000s, I believe. Um, and it's inspired by the personal ads that were written in this erotica magazine. Um, so we really wanted to keep this lo-fi aspect to Lex and from that inspiration, that initial inspiration, we actually just, I built this whole platform on Instagram to start, um, just to, because I was obsessed with the personals and I wanted to invite queer people to write their own and that idea really took off. Um, and I wanted to really keep that essence of you're just reading the newspaper or reading a feed um there's no fancy matching or anything like that that kind of a lot of other dating apps use and again in the beginning i was thinking of this as a dating app um but we really just wanted to react to the way that old school newspaper feeling was where you're just sitting down and reading and kind of taking things in. Yeah, I'd love to pan out to this Genesis of Lex on Instagram because what is so interesting, as you just said, is this mix of quite the high tech, like social media, new, what mm. was almost kind of a new social media platform when you started right? Um, with with the analog or the lo-fi that is these printed personal ads and you were kind of putting these ads into the digital space but to wind back a bit you started an instagram account i think maybe in 2014 or 15 you can oh god me. yes <laughs> 2014 november um i started an instagram account called herstory and that was like basically the year that i came out and Herstory Instagram was a place where I was doing a lot of personal research, um, learning about queer history and culture, specifically lesbian history and culture, and finding really cool photographs of lesbians all through the internet. And I really wanted them all in one place. So I started posting on Instagram. This was like early days, I guess, Instagram, a lot of people were using a more personal stuff and less about and now there's everything on Instagram. But I built the community through Herstory on Instagram. Um, people were really drawn to it because it was one place to find all this lesbian content. And it was all historic. And I was kind of just going along, living my life, finding cool books to read and finding movies, um, references, just like teaching myself about the history that I had missed. And I was super obsessed with it um, because I had come out late. And then from there, I, I got a lot of press like about history. And then it really just grew in terms of the Instagram followers. And from there, 
when I was running her street, I found these on the back magazines. And then I was like, wait, I have a whole group of people here. I want them to write personal ads just like they did back in the day. So then I had like a spinoff account called personals Instagram and they were strictly just, I was formatting these text-based personal ads in Google docs, screenshotting them, uploading them to Instagram and then tagging people's handles. So if you wanted to check out that person who wrote the personal ad, you click on their username on Instagram, see their pictures. So again, it's like you're always reading about the person first, reading about who they are, what they're looking for, their personalities, getting a sense of them before you see their image and judging them based on, I guess, image standards <laughs> or attraction based on the image rather than this is more thoughtful considered um slows you down and makes you more open to like who cares what this person looks like potentially because the way that they wrote their personal is so like fascinating and i wanted to know that person so that's how this whole thing started and then it really took off um i couldn't keep up with the number of submissions it was really just me running an account as a hobby like for fun because i was obsessed with and reading people's personal ads it was super fun um but then i decided to push it further and build an app because there were just so many people that wanted to write a personal i just felt like there's a completely overlooked group of people and i want to bring them something so I am not from the tech world. I was a photo editor up until a year and a half ago. Um, and I did this all like day by day learning how to, how to run a Kickstarter. So I raised money initially to build the MVP with Kickstarter money. Um, we raised like 47,000 and I threw fundraising parties. Um, and then our MVP launched November, 2019. And it's very much the same of our current product. Um, and simply it was lo-fi because one of the reasons was I wanted it that way. But the second reason, um, we just didn't have many resources. It was me and um, an engineer that I found, a queer engineer um, that's based in Berlin. So it's just him and I, me with zero tech experience, <laughs> um, just getting something out the door and making it as simple as possible. Yeah, I'd love to ask you more about Lex in a moment, but just to go back to Instagram, mm -hmm. your accounts had a large number of followers on Instagram. We're talking like hundreds of thousands of people. Why do you think Instagram as a platform has been so important for you know, hidden LGBTQ plus histories or connecting LGBTQ plus people and visibility in general? Yeah, I mean, it just became a really popular platform, Instagram. So generally like everyone's on there. <laughs> and then I think even like so many of my followers aren't LGBTQ. Um, they're just people that are interested in history or feminism or anything, just visual. Um, I think that Instagram really was a place where a lot of different people could see your content and interact and learn. Um, 
about different parts of subcult I don't know what to call <laughs> different communities that you wouldn't normally be interacting with it was like opening a door and it was an easy place so you're seeing all these different things in one location so it was easy to access this new this different world and yeah it was easy to find other queer accounts and people as Instagram grew they made it kind of easier to find like who's following who yeah one thing that's interesting there is that before Instagram was around it 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 was quite difficult to maybe find LGBTQ plus histories or you really had to seek that out and a lot of those histories weren't necessarily recorded because in the past people have had to be very secretive about their identity and, and their relationships um, due to sort of persecution or discrimination or criminalization and also maybe queer people who lived outside of major cities were perhaps more isolated um, and Instagram gave gave everyone a, a great way to connect and, and accounts like yours gave people a great way to connect. I just wondered what was it like for you growing up when Instagram wasn't around in, in that, in both mm -hmm. of those regards? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, I was the first of the AOL use. <laughs> like I remembered exactly where I was when I learned about AOL. So in, you know, American Online. I don't, it's like basically instant messaging um, where you can be in different groups and connect with people all over the country. Um, and that was crucial to my sanity when I was 15, 16, 17, before I could move out of the small town I was from. Um, at the time, and this was the mid to late 90s, I didn't, like I say, I didn't really come out until I was 34, um, but I found people to connect with that were queer on American Online. Although I was like experimenting, maybe I was saying I was bi, um, but I felt very isolated from any people that I could connect with. So I used the internet to find every single friend I basically had in high school. And um, I met my best friend the first day of art school. I convinced him to go to the same school I was going. <laughs> um, I basically lived on the internet. I would wake up at 7.30 or be at school at 7.30, come home at three, take a nap, and then stay up till 3 a.m. just talking to people all over the world actually. I do remember talking to people in London too. Um, so I just really used the internet from basically day one to connect with people. So it's just something that I've always felt a just like real deep connection to. It, it helped me so much from feeling so isolated and being in a place where I had you know, couldn't really express myself. Um, so I definitely have like this deep love for the, <laughs> for the internet. Yeah. And Lex has connected, well, first personals and then Lex has connected a huge number of people. I wondered 
Uh, are there any stories that stand out? Yeah, I mean, it is really fascinating that we don't even know how many people have been connected, but there's just seemingly endless stories um, from anywhere, like people connecting to go to a bird watching, be a part of a bird watching group in Central Park, to getting married, um, to organizing protests. So it's just, there's endless stories. But one of my favorite recently is, um, we also have misconnections on Lex. So if you see someone that you're, you might have interacted with in real life, but you just didn't get a chance to get their number or were too shy to like kind of talk to them more, um, you can write a misconnection. And so these two people were on the gay beach in New York City and they each wrote a misconnection about each other. And then they <laughs> connected on Lex which was like so beautiful to me. Um, and I love the stories of people meeting. There's, it's really, really special. That's amazing. Is that part of that sort of tradition where maybe a newspaper has a section that sort of says, saw you on a public transport or? Yeah, yeah, I know that Craigslist, I mean, had it. Uh, they had a misconnection section. So you would always go to the misconnections in New York City and like see if someone talked to you about you. Um, so it has that kind of feel. But I also think it's like really good for queer people to have this as like, you know, we're kind of shy and awkward and sometimes too afraid to say something. And this is like an opportunity for a second chance and it can work can happen yeah and something else I think important to add there is I think when you're straight you can kind of navigate the world assuming that most other mm, people are straight exactly <laughs> mm -hmm. but when you're not straight you're kind of sometimes totally. wondering if yeah someone else would be interested in you so that's why it's really helpful exactly yeah that's totally the right point yeah I wanted to ask you a bit about the algorithm yes would you tell us a bit more? <laughs> yes we don't have one <laughs> we have zero algorithm that's how lo-fi we are so um that's why i didn't even have my developer come on <laughs> because he's like we just don't have one um because they're like <laughs> and then and i'm like it's not necessarily because we wouldn't have one it's just like we don't have the resources yet to really think as big as that could be um eventually maybe we would but i know that there's i'm, I'm really glad and i'm excited to listen to this podcast back because i know there's a lot of conversations around algorithms being super problematic because they're basically built by white straight men so um it is kind of in the definitely like in the mission of lex to not be that or not be like anything that is mainstream so i'm like proud that we don't have an algorithm and um but that's not to say we won't play with that later and do it in a really thoughtful way it's fascinating to think about an app without an algorithm. 
like think of even how Instagram used to be where it was whenever you posted a picture it would just like go to the top of the feed there was no like showing you the most popular post that day like it was just time based like if you posted right now and then I I made a post after you then it would show one two three four um and that's what that's how Lex works so if you wrote a personal at five o'clock and then I wrote one at five thirty, mine would be second. You know, there's no like fanciness to it because like you might be like really popular on Lex and push to the top, etc. It's just super lo-fi. I totally know what you're saying. It sounds like a really democratic way of doing things. Right. A lot of dating apps make assumptions about who we might be interested in and show us people that they think that we'd be into based on who we've already swiped. And that can be quite, that can close things down. Exactly. And I feel like the whole ethos of Lex and writing a personal is against all of that because the whole point was you get to know people first by reading about them then you see their picture so everything is less run on the superficialness and throw away of people's faces <laughs> on apps yeah and how do you ensure that lex stays as inclusive as possible well we're all always thinking about this and it's like centering this idea of inclusivity and accessibility um as we grow we'll be able to expand on this as we expand our team and build a product that is super needed and something that really speaks to the community so we always talk about how we're building directly for our community we get a lot of we do a lot of user research and get a lot of feedback and listen to everything. So everyone on the team is queer and we're consistently thinking about how to make Lex more inclusive, more accessible. Um, These are just like a day-to-day thoughts and conversations that we're having. So Lex app is for the queer community and by that um, right now, we're building for queer women, trans people, and non-binary. So we're centering those folks and building for them specifically. Um, as we grow, we may expand out to include gay queer men. But right now, our focus is on trans people, women, and non-binary gender non-conforming folks. Cool. And you also mentioned accessibility there. Is there anything mm-hmm. you're talking about in particular in terms of how to make an app more accessible? Yeah, so our product designer is trained in accessibility design as well. So what we're doing is we're currently rethinking all of the typography that we use, the colors we use, um, and even the UI um, to make it much more accessible because right now it's pretty not the greatest. Um, like I said, it's still worth working with that minimal viable product that we launch, um, where none of 
me or my friend that was designing it had any experience in accessibility. So that was unfortunately overlooked, but we're course correcting and getting feedback on what works best for people that have low visibility or vision problems or blind. Ooh. And my final question is, when it comes to tech and LGBTQ plus rights and visibility, what makes you feel most positive or excited right now? I mean, what really makes me excited is honestly the young, like younger generation, so Gen Z. Um, their identities are so much more fluid than previous generations, how they identify sexually, but also more, more than that, um, their gender identity. And I'm excited to build a product that really centers this group of people. And it's a much wider audience than most straight white men in tech <laughs> consider. So I feel really excited to build for this group of people and be able to um, put something out there that's completely different, that focuses on them. Um, because I still think even though this is a growing community and you know all the corporate pride and allyship <laughs> that's out there, um, it's still a group of people that is largely ignored and I really want to build for them. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Future Positive Podcast. If you'd like to support our show, share this episode with fellow futurist friends, and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Your feedback really does help. If you missed the previous Pride Month episode with Vincent Desmond, Lucas LaRochelle, and Ozkies, then we strongly recommend that you check them out in our feed. This podcast comes from XPRIZE, a global future positive movement of over 1 million people and rising, delivering radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity. Sign up to join us and support the movement that is making a change in the world 10 times faster. Whether it's lending a hand, a dollar, or an idea, we all have a role to play in making the future a better place. The only way to get the future we want is to create it ourselves. Learn more at xprize.org. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.